The Mixing Music Podcast is proud to say that we have a lot of free resources outside of the actual podcast. Visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash links to find access to our free PDFs and free resources. One, two, three. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. And today with me, back on the show, Mr. Sean from Raw Technique Studios. How you doing, Sean? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing amazing. Amazing. How's, uh, how's the studio? How's life? How's work? It's been going good. Been busy, which is great when you run your own stuff. So That's right. That's right. And you recently just released a, a course, too, mixing vocals to a two-track or something like that, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the most recent uh, paid course that I've had. Yeah, and I actually went through it, and uh, I uh, had the opportunity to go through the course, and it was very insightful. It was oh. amazing because, like, I feel like going through the course, it made me realize, like, what you just said and described in the video and did in the video, nothing of a, nothing was, like, super-duper mind-blowing, but mm-hmm. what was the most valuable thing is step-by-step detailed instructions. Yeah. Like, it was so, because you can't, like, you can find general discussions and general information, how, the idea of EQing anywhere on YouTube, you can find that. But what you added in that, in the course that you, I can't find anywhere else is step-by-step instructions and specifically how you used your techniques that you know to that song. Because you yeah. show, you show an entire mix down of an entire song and it was very valuable, I think. It was great. I appreciate you checking it out and giving me some feedback on it because like that's what I try to do is just simplify things and show how my process goes and see how it could help others. Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny to me because I keep I keep thinking about the how mixing in general is just a form of communication and a lot of time people just overthink things, over compliment, uh, complicate things and it makes their mix worse because of it. But at the same time, like there's people that focus too much on technique and there's people that focus too much on just like, ah, whatever, you know, and, <laughs> and then not enough on technique. Um, but I think there's two balances, which is mm-hmm. don't overthink, but know what your techniques do, right? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, so I, I, think, I think your course is amazing. You can check it out, rawtechniquestudios.com. Um, follow, uh, follow Sean on uh, at Raw, Technique, Raw Tech Studios mm-hmm. on Instagram. Anyway, so today on this episode, we want to talk about EQ, maybe get a little bit specific, but just talk about general EQ um, and general techniques. I want to know what's like, Sean, you probably have that one frequency or that one thing that you do on one specific, maybe it's vocals, maybe it's drums. What is, what is a EQ technique that you always like to at least try? What's that one go-to mm. thing? Well, I guess if we go to like... I. I always start with like low end, so it'd be kick and 808 that'd be touching first as far, it depends. It's usually vocals and then that, but that's where I think of the starting point. That's at the top of my session. And when it comes to EQ, always on a kick drum, uh, I'm experimenting with like 50 or 60 hertz boost and then a 3K for snap boost. And if it works, it does. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. So it's like, that's something that's always running through my head on whether I should do it or not. And then depending on the samples, whether I actually implement it. Yeah, I love that. And it's so funny because I think we actually want to, I've talked about this before, is one of the hardest skills as a mix engineer, like when you know you're pretty good at mixing, 
it's knowing when something you don't have to do something when knowing when doing something actually made it sound worse when not to do something is harder than actually knowing when to do something yeah i i guess that's what would kind of separate the first learning process into actually like you do this regularly you already know type of thing because when you're first learning it you're like oh i learned this new technique i have to use it every single time and that <laughs> that's not the case it's like you'll learn okay, that technique's not needed. It'll actually hurt the mix in this uh, song. So. Yeah, that's right. And so the cool thing, I, if I haven't explained this before, Sean is a mix engineer, uh, mostly within the hip-hop, R&B, pop realm. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I almost always am in the hip-hop thing. Every now and then I'll get like somebody that does more like singing, like singer-songwriter style, but it's usually with like synthesized instruments. So it's still pop hip hop yeah yeah so. yeah it's still 808s and you know <laughs> still <laughs> slam and drums it's drums and vocals that's what we special <laughs> pretty much i'm the same thing so I, i'm a mix engineer for hip-hop if you didn't already know mostly hip-hop r&b pop so same genres mm -hmm. um but i'd love to talk to sean and you're gonna notice we've we didn't know each other until recently mm -hmm. and because we haven't influenced each other because we don't know each other i think it's funny because we're gonna have different opinions Although we work on the same genre of music and we do the same thing as mix engineers, there's different opinions. So let's talk a little bit more about, I literally did um, just a few episodes ago, I did, uh, if you haven't listened to it already, an episode about low end and some of the techniques that I use. What are, what are some, what is your sound? Like how do you balance kick drums and 808s? Like what is your low end sound compared to other people's low end sound? Uh, well, I do a lot of, like trying to make it fit and i'm when i'm doing the low end i'm always thinking about the vocal like because mm. the vocals the most popular or the most focused thing in the song that's what you want everybody to hear then i'm always thinking of that in every situation so when it comes to the low end that's the main focus point so if it's an 808 that's really saturated i want to make sure it's not getting in the way of the vocal in the top end where it's saturated if it's the kick drum could have some stuff that gets muddy around like 300 or 300 hertz or something. And I tend to take out that like muffled sound that are in kick drums. So it's like those little things, I'm thinking vocals. But as far as like just the low end goes, the kick drum and the 808, which I get questions about all the time because mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it's, it's like this mysterious thing or something. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much I like to make some room if it's needed so sometimes a kick drum and an 808 just work together because they were the production know, they, was good yeah, yeah yeah but if they don't really work together or if you want to make more room you could just side chain the uh, kick and the 808 together so whenever the kick drum plays the 808 dips a little bit and you have room for the kick drum and just that simple yeah so. it's true we literally i was okay in that low end episode which you can refer back to um, that was one of my most favorite episodes that I recorded because I recorded <laughs> it with two friends and we were just laughing and having a good time. But um, what I like to do, actually, so typically speaking, in the hip hop, in the in the culture of the genre of hip hop, um, side chaining is not a normal thing. It's a production mm -hmm. choice usually. But at the same time, there's too much technical benefit in side chaining to like mm -hmm. not do it at times. <laughs> Like, yeah. so the way that I do it, and I talked about it in that episode, is I literally take the clip gain and I dip down the clip. I manually, r mm. like, put in the points and take down the clip gain, like, whatever, 5 to 15 dBs mm -hmm. for just the length of the kick drum. Yeah. 
So it it literally is. So I did like this little ramp thing, where uh-huh. it's 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 not it doesn't sound side chained because mm-hmm. it's only while the kick drum is there. And doing that gives me like three dBs, two to three dBs of headroom, which yeah. to be fair, that is huge in the hip hop world. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, because everybody wants it louder. So <laughs> yeah, so side chaining is really beneficial. Like, um, is there a specific plugin that you like to do to compress for the side chaining? Uh, I use a dynamic EQ, so I'm using the Pro Q3 mm. from FabFilter, and I'll just make a dynamic uh, band on the EQ there and side just chain in, in that specific frequency or in the entire yeah thing? in the specific frequency. Oh really? Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, so like, it's not use, like a traditional side chain. It's literally no, just that frequency. Yeah, just that frequency. And it's targeted to the collision point because on the Pro Q3, it shows the collision points. So say the collision's at 60 hertz, I'll put a little dynamic EQ and set the Q right to where it's going to hit just where I want it. And then every time that kick drum hits, that 808 is triggered right in that 60 hertz or wherever to dip by however much I want it. So. That's, that's awesome. Actually, yeah. I got to try that out. That's a really good idea. Um, yeah, so that's awesome <laughs> because it doesn't feel like side chaining. Right. And you're only taking out that frequency and you probably still have the headroom. Yeah. And that, that's awesome um, mm-hmm. because we all know perceived loudness versus metered loudness is low and has way too much power and you can't hear it enough. So everybody mm-hmm. keeps turning it up and up and up. So like always <laughs> having a chance to find a way to turn down the low end is awesome, I think. Yeah. Okay, so what about what about <clears throat> some vocals? So what is a, a classic Sean technique on vocals? Hmm. I like I've been becoming more and more a fan of a warmer sound. And mm-hmm. uh I used to like push highs because I was like, oh, that's that crispy sound that I was always trying to find. I would push the highs and then I'd run into trouble with like sibilance or like this weird sound that I would get out of it. So I've grown more to like the warm sound of things and I'll do like, I'll start off by cutting out the lows. So just filter off the lows, uh, get rid of any of that nonsense down there. And then I tend to tame a bit of the top end. I Obviously you can use de-essers and stuff like that also, but I tend to use like very specific spots with like a narrow cue if there's mm-hmm. like a resonance or some type of like mm-hmm. the say the S is coming through at 9K and it's bothering me, I'll dip that specific spot and then build off of that with de-essers and multiband compressors, all the extra stuff as well. But that's what I do with EQ is just make it sound smoother. <laughs> have you have you noticed with hip-hop music, a lot of the vocals have resonant frequencies that they didn't take out? Like there's that, so a lot, like for example, in Jesus is King and Kanye's song, uh, the mm-hmm. one, my favorite song on the album, Sella, Shout out to, uh, you know, Jesse Ray Ernster for, uh, you know, helping out recording that track. My good friend. He's, he's one of my first interviews on the show. But um, in that song, there's a stupid resonating frequency in his voice. <laughs> like upper mid range, so annoying. Like I would have cut it out mm-hmm. if it was me mixing it. Yeah. But it's so perfect. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, it's just like, as an engineer, I'm like annoyed by it. But mm-hmm. like as a consumer... It's making his vocal pop. Have you noticed that with a lot of hip hop songs recently, like R and B hip hop tracks, where like producers purposefully leave in a couple of resonating frequencies? Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I get is like somebody recorded it and they didn't really do much editing; they just sent it out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and like, 
I do prefer when it's edited and they have like some rough stuff going on. But yeah, most of the time I'm dealing with the raw recording. Nothing was filtered out. None yeah. of the residences. So I mean, there's always good residences yeah, and bad yeah. residences. Like whenever I record vocals on my SM7B, maybe it's the my signal chain or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, around 3.2K, I always have a resonance frequency when I'm recording vocals with an SM7B mm-hmm. in my room. For some reason, okay. whether it's the room or the signal chain or the microphone inherently, whatever it is, it's around 3.2. There's always a resonant frequency that's hella annoying. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, I guess it depends on the vocalist and the microphone. And then, as you said, like the room and the chain and everything. But there are like some vocalists that I work with that there's like, it's not just like 3K, but it's like 3K, 7K, 9K. That It's just like every single time they're using that SM7B also, and it's the same thing. Yeah. So maybe it's just like certain vocals and that mic just make certain things pop out more um, because microphones definitely have a different sound to them. So it's like that one, I think, filters off a little bit of that top end, but has more of that mid-rangey sound to it compared to like the one I'm talking to right now, the AKG C214, it's a little bit more like open on the top end and doesn't have as much mid-range. So going all the way to the microphone is definitely going to change. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. So there's a there's an example that obviously anybody that's listening and you probably know Kendrick Lamar mm-hmm. um, in an older album, Good Kid, Mad City, um, there's a song on there track number five money trees and i don't know if you're it's you probably you got to listen to it in order to remember it probably but at the same time i i the only reason why i can remember right now is because i literally listened to it yesterday right <laughs> but it's so interesting go listen to that song right now and you know exactly what i'm talking about so j-rock is the feature on that track and kendrick's vocal is like your classic no low-end bright hip-hop awesome pop vocal kind of a thing and then J-Rock is, like, really warm. Like, not wrong, but, like, from an engineer, mixing engineer standpoint, it's, like, they did that on purpose. Like, it's, there's no, tr- there's not a lot of trouble compared, especially compared to Kendrick, not a lot of trouble, mostly low mids, like, a lot of 500 to 1K-ish. And they didn't, hy- like, they didn't do a low pass, uh, a low, a low cut. Uh, not a, not a high pass, but, I mean, um. They didn't cut out a lot of the low end of his voice, which mm-hmm. in, in most of our cases, as we as we, we understand, we usually do like a high pass filter and maybe cut out some, you know, 250 hertz or whatever mm-hmm. around that area. They didn't in that song. And it's amazing because even then, it didn't sound wrong. Mm-hmm. J-Rock's vocal in that track, it's so warm and almost out of place, but it's so amazing. <laughs> so it kind of goes to the point where like, there's no wrong answer, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, listen to, like, J. Cole. His stuff is so warm compared to everybody else out there. Like, if you were to listen to, like, some J. Cole stuff, and, like, especially the newer stuff where he has a big influence on the sound overall, and it's not Mm -hmm. just like, oh, this is what's popular type thing. Like, he picks that sound. And if you listen to that, and then you listen to, like, some, I don't know, overproduced song that's on the radio, like the difference in the top end is ridiculous. And I prefer J. Cole's warm sound, but at the same time, I know that people like that high end, so. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is fair to say is that we all have preferences. We all, you Mm -hmm. hear music differently than I hear music. Right. One thing that I said before the show is that, relatively speaking, because I've heard a few of your mixes, and Mm -hmm. I know my mixes, of course, um, 
what I add a lot more treble in general, mm. and they get real bright compared to your mixes. Yeah. And that's not a wrong or bad thing. It's just different. I hear music different from you hear music, and that's mm. the glorious part about having all of these mix engineers to choose from. Yeah. And like, so how? Do, let me let me ask you. So, I'm for me the way that I hear music is drums and vocals. Everything else doesn't matter. Like the <laughs> drums bi- drives the beat. And that's uh-huh. what my thing is, like drums and vocals. I get those two things right, and I make them bright, and I make them slam. Uh-huh. I make it pop. What, what's, what's your thing? What is your EQ spectrum? How, what is your sound? So I, I tend to do more of a warmer sound when it comes to vocals. So I tend to clean up the... I always start with cleaning up the low end, and I want to get it to where it's not rumbly. I hate that like muffled sound on a vocal. So I clean that first, but then I do a lot of taming on the top end. Mm-hmm. So it's as warm as possible while having that crispiness at the same time. Like it's hard to explain, but that's what I'm thinking when I'm going through a vocal is I want it crispy, but I don't want sibilance to hurt my ears. I don't want any like overly bright stuff to hurt my ears. So I tend to warm it as much as possible. And then drums, of course, everybody likes a kick drum that hits super hard. Uh, snares, I tend to warm as well. So I do a lot of top end filtering on my snare drums because I hate when it comes through like brighter than a hi hat. So I yeah. tend to. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. So I do that a lot. I'll filter, like, you know, that isotope vinyl plugin that mm-hmm. it's like the best free plugin ever. And uh, <laughs> I use that all the time. I'll like, if I'm like, okay, this uh, snare, it sounds good, but. It's just a little bit piercing to the ear. Just throw the isotope vinyl on it and don't even move any faders on nothing on it. I just leave it as is, and it like instantly sounds better to me. It just makes that snare not pierce through anymore. Yeah, no, I I, I know exactly what you're talking about. One of my there's a local engineer that I respect, who um, is amazing and has uh, lots of knowledge, and he's been doing it for a long time. He told me one day, and he works mostly like not hip hop. That's his genre, mm-hmm. like ranging from EDM to classical music, but usually within like the soft, easy listening pop realm, um, from what I understand. And he does a lot of rock music as well. And Mm. when he EQs snares and kick drum, he told me that in rock music, and most of the time, he says, I try to match the top end of the kick drum to match the top end of the snare drum. Mm. And then he showed me an example. Like we actually did a session and then... um, he EQ'd the top end to, relatively speaking, match the top end of the kick drum in, in a rock genre. And it was so amazing. Like, it's what I usually typically do myself is that I make the snare way brighter, like mm. super bright. And then he, like, made it really, like, relatively dark and warm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, for this song, that was absolutely perfect. Yeah. I was just like, whoa. And then you have guys like a lot of the stuff that you hear on the radio now, like the top. Like, you know, the rap caviar stuff where the snare is like almost louder than the vocals. It's so dang loud. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it vibes. You know? Like right. there's no wrong answers. It's a vibe. Yeah. And I think that's a good point as well is it's going to depend on the song. Like some songs, I'll have bright snares. Some I'll have warm snares. Like it depends on where it fits in the mix. Yeah, that that's exactly true. What Do you, do you uh, ever mess with in vocals? Do you ever mess with... Or anything, any EQ that goes over 20 hertz, 20K? Yeah, uh, not very often, but every now and then I'll do like the mag air filter, that Mm -hmm. little boost up there at like 20K or whatever. Sometimes I'll do that, but I tend to find myself 
at least when it comes to like my mix bus, if I'm doing an EQ boost, I'll say I boost at like 8, 10, 16K, whatever it is. I'll also do a attenuation at 20K. So it kind of ends up getting filtered off in the end. Mm. But that's just because I prefer that type of sound. Like oh, that's true. Some, yeah, sometimes I'll do that really top end boost, but not as often as like, I don't know if other people do it more often or not, but I, I don't yeah. do it very often. And some vocals, I've done that too. So like I love, um, there's two EQs that I go to for that top end vocal. So I noticed that if it's like above 12K less and you boost that really, really high stuff, mm-hmm. some people say, but you can't even hear past 20 hertz. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's the idea is that the curve starts earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. more general. It's more broad. It's smoother, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I typically, the two plugins that I use is the Mag EQ or the Mag EQ, M-A-A-G, mm-hmm. um, EQ4 or the Mag, whatever. They have a ton of different at like 40 hertz. 20 or 40 hertz, but my, my favorite that Leslie Brathwaite uh, taught me um, or showed it loves to use is UAD comes with a precision EQ, which is like a knockoff mass select EQ, like a mastering EQ. Mm-hmm. And he has this thing where it's 27K, but he doesn't do a, a shelf. He just does the broadest band that they have at 27K. Mm-hmm. And if you boost it, it sounds totally different from the Mog EQ. Like it sounds totally different. Yeah. And it's <laughs> like, um, it like just a t- just a touch of it, you know. Sometimes he cranks it to all the way eight dBs. Sometimes he cranks it just a few dBs. Mm-hmm. It sounds amazing, but then there are also songs where I have to high pass it. It just doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. their voice is already too bright, or whatever it was, it just didn't fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I I remember watching one of his uh, the mix with the masters episode where he's doing the Cardi B song, and oh, on yeah. the pi- the piano he boosts that top air on it, and it sounds great on that song. So that's like a really good example of the top airy boost on something. And that's, and that's his sound. Like the two people that I love and I talk way too much about on the show that I'm an obvious fan of is Jason Joshua Mm. and Leslie Brathwaite. (laughs) And it's so funny because they do relatively similar genres. Uh, Leslie is more like Atlanta trap rap caviar kind of music. And Jason Joshua is more LA R and B channel X cross between rap and R and B kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But their sounds are totally, totally different. And yeah. Leslie doesn't saturate anything, loves that high end, doesn't believes in nothing on the master bus. And then Jason Joshua is like mastering his own songs. And like, yeah. like <laughs> he gives, he says, he, he sends his mastering engineer, his master, and says, use this as a reference, beat my master. <laughs> That's like, a good... Like, like, <laughs> I, th- I don't know anybody that does that. I think that's awesome, though, because then it's like you're really challenging your mastering engineer to make your song better. So Absolutely. And Jason's thing is like, okay, Leslie is clean. So, like, for example, Lil Uzi Vert, if you listen to any of his stuff, that's, that's Leslie. Mm. Super clean. And his, his mentor, who he learned from, was Bruce Swedeen, which was Michael Jackson's engineer. And their whole mentality is like clean, easy, don't overthink it. Mm-hmm. Just do what sounds good. And then Jason's like over technical and mm-hmm. he EQs with saturation, which is a whole nother mm-hmm. concept that like blows my mind and just total opposites. And, yeah. but they both sound good. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. It, it's crazy. Like the different approaches you could take to get a quality sound and it could go same mix engineer from song to song. You're just like, that's completely different than your usual sound, but it's because the song re- like needed that sound. So yeah. Uh, have you have you listened to um Money on the Grave 
with uh, Rick Ross and Drake recently. Uh, Have you listened to it recently? No. I, I love I love showing that song to people that come through because this is another one of those songs where I listened to it recently, so it's on top of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, Drake's voice, you hear it, it's like so bright, and you're like, just regular, just like regular bright. Maybe a, a hint more brighter. Mm-hmm. And then Rick Ross's verse comes on, and his voice, you thought Drake's voice was bright? Hell no. Nah. Like Rick Ross's voice is like to the freaking ceiling. It's so high. Like it's, yeah. there's so much air band, like that really, really high end stuff. Mm. The opposite of that Kendrick song that I was talking about, where it's the opposite of warm. It's even brighter. Yeah. Like it's almost painful, especially yeah. on studio monitors. <laughs> but like it sounds good. It fits. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea that there's no wrong answers. Right. If it sounds good, it really doesn't matter how you got there. <laughs> like if you got it to sound good, you did something right. And that's why people pay you, right? And that's why people spend time trying to fix their mix or even do their mix for them is because what you have and what experienced mix engineers have is this uncanny ability to hear the potential in a song and know where the song wants to go from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And you're, we're not trying to figure out where a song... Like, we're not trying to figure out what's the, what can the song do. It's like we already know the potential when we hear it. Mm-hmm. We know, not wrong... But the ch- the small changes and the nuances that we make, like even in your video, like you're like really, if you really listen to it, from most of my rough mixes to masters, relatively speaking, is not that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's a huge difference because I'm a trained ear. You know, you're a trained ear. To you, it'd be a huge difference. But like from a consumer standpoint, yeah, it's more of a feel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just so funny to me. Like people overthink things and like. Really, it just ends up being music, as uh, um, Jimmy Douglas said, and I quote him again, um, music is just a form of communication, and people tend to forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. and, and that's true to like how you're saying the sound is a way, like the rough mix to the master, how you're saying it's not a big difference, but the feeling can be a big difference. Like even... Uh, maybe like not technically to somebody that's just a listener, like they'll be listening. They're like, Oh, it sounds different, but like, you don't know exactly why, but they could feel that difference. Definitely. Cause like, that's what people are really going for. They'll send you a rough mix and then you take it to the next level to where they're like, okay, now I really feel what this song's potential was. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's totally true. And with that, um, we're past our time. Thank you so much, Sean, for joining and talking about EQ, um, one more time, Sean, where can people find you? Uh, rawtechniquestudios.com or on Instagram at rawtechstudios. It's a great Instagram page to follow because he always gives tips and shows some of the processes that he uses on his Instagram channel. Really awesome, uh, free information. Thank you for you know, bringing that value to the community. Um, and uh, thank you again for being on the show. Um, really fun conversations. It's so funny because... To a certain degree, we're like also opposites, but at the same time, our ideologies are the same. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much. You've been listening to Mixing Music. Please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps my channel grow so much. Um, If you'd like to see my daily uh, mixing activities and my daily activities, uh, check me out on Instagram at D-E-E-K-E-I-D-K-Mixes, D-E-E-K-E-I-Mixes, um, or, and I always offer a free mix feedback, free mix feedback, send an MP3 to my email, dkmixes at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you so much for joining. You've been listening to Mixing Music. Happy mixing and stay saucy. Yeah.
One, two, three. This episode of Mixing Music with DK has been brought to you by Launchpod Media. If you want to start a podcast, make sure to start it right with Launchpod Media. If you can't get enough of the Mixing Music podcast and want three times the amount of episodes every week, subscribe to our exclusive content for only $4 a month or $40 a year at mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show.